When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville against the Colts. He looks, I mean, he looks like the best quarterback in NFL history. He looks better than Joe Montana. He looks as good as Tom Brady. This guy is the last two games uh, the Colts have got in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has been tremendous. He carved the Colts up yet again, a very efficient day. For the former number one overall pick, 25 out of 30, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no sacks, two quarterback hits. That's it. Two quarterback hits, George, on Trevor Lawrence. You followed that up with the Week 18 game last year. We went 23 of 32, 233 yards, two touchdowns. He has been efficient. He has had his two best games easily of his NFL career. I get to Colts in Week 18 and now again in Week 2. No, they're just making it too easy on him. I mean, Jacksonville really just three-step drops and get get rid of the ball really quickly, throwing it underneath the zone. Uh, and the Colts never really were able to adjust to that. And I think in a lot of ways it's weird because in a lot of ways the defense was doing what it's supposed to do. And there were long drives by the Jaguars. Uh, so that first scoring drive I think was 14 plays or something like that. Uh, you know, they, they were making them take the long way. But what you're not getting from this defense right now, and you absolutely have to get if it's going to be effective in any way, is any kind of splash play. No sacks. You just mentioned that. Zero sacks. Only two quarterback hits. You're not really getting any pressure on the quarterback at all. That's not, No defensive scheme is going to work with that. But no turnovers. You know, And that's this defense has lived off of those juice plays, those big fumbles. You know, They turned around last week when they knocked the ball out and, and got the fumble recovery, and that's really jump-started the comeback against the Texans. This week, none of that. No fumbles, no, no really, nothing really close. There were a couple of, of, of passes they got their hands on. Julian Blackman, Stephon Gilmore maybe had a, a shot at interceptions there, but they're not able to pull them in. Uh, and those are the only two I can think of that were really even defensed by the Colts. You know, everything right. else was pretty much uh, a pretty easy pitch and catch situation. And it that's this defense is not going to go anywhere until they start making splash plays. And that starts with pressure on the quarterback. You know, the sack is, is the biggest one they can make. Uh, but if you're not forcing turnovers and you're not putting the quarterback on the ground, the result's going to be exactly what you saw today. And obviously the return of Shaquille Leonard is going to help, you know, make splash plays more frequent. Obviously he's going to help turn around and change that entire defense. But to your point through two games with the Gus Bradley system so far, it seems like this Colts defense, like you said, is turnover reliant. Like you mentioned, the, the Jags went right down the field, um, and they had long drives, even the Texans too. Like they weren't too many big plays or busted coverages or, you know, two plays, 75-yard drives. The Colts in one since they're making them earn it and, and uh, bend but don't break. But at the same time, that also means that you've had, in a certain drive, two, three, four chances to get off the field, and those two, three, or four times in the drive, you're not getting the job done. You're not getting off the field. You're not getting a third down stop. And it's like when you are so reliant on getting a pick, getting a strip sack, or, or you know, or forcing a turnover to get off the field, that's not sustainable. That's not like you can do it for a year. We saw the Colts do that last year. You cannot make your way of life on defense 
basically being turnover or bust, that's going to get the Colts blown out in a lot of these games this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at what, what just happened with Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence, and now you got Patrick Mahomes coming in, and yeah. you know, what, what's he going to do if you give him those kind of opportunities? Uh, they've got to be better on third down, first and foremost, both sides of the ball. You know, it comes back to situational football, and it always does. I mean, you find any team that's struggling, I almost guarantee you situational football does not look good for them. And both sides of the ball right now, they've got to get the other team off the field. Jacksonville, I think they ended up like 6 of 15 or something because they were basically just running the ball and running the clock out there at the end. But when it mattered, at least at one point, I think they were 6 of 9 on third down. That's completely unacceptable, and it goes back to splash plays. When we talk about splash plays, yeah, sacks are splash plays, turnovers are splash plays, but so are third down stops. You know, just yep. getting out there and getting your hand on a ball or rushing the, the quarterback or, you know, making a tackle for a loss, whatever it takes to get off the field, they're not doing it. And it, again, I think, you know, at the very top of the show, we were talking about like, what the heck does Frank Reich mean when he says that the gap is not that great? That's what he's talking about. The gap from where they are right now to where they need to be is a gigantic ocean there's no question about that but the gap in their play situational football get a couple third down conversions get the other team off the field on third down a couple times mix in a splash play on offense a splash play in defense here and there the improvement would be tremendous very very quickly the problem is for two weeks there's been no movement in that regard whatsoever and two when you look at like speaking of trying to get off third down right we've seen especially in the system you know Gus Bradley's not going to blitz a lot. So you're really relying on the front four to get home. And so far, outside of Quiddy Pay's, you know, dominant game against the Texans, Colts have not done so. And so when you're rushing four or five guys on a certain play and you're not getting home, well, any quarterback, like, again, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who has a lot of potential, but so far, outside of two games he's played in Jackson against the Colts, he has looked more bad than good. Davis Mills is, a you know, an up-and-coming guy, but you think the Texans are going to move on probably next year to get another guy. So two Eh, quarterbacks right now you're facing and they are just efficient. They're making plays. They're keeping drives line. They're converting third down to third down because they have all the time in the world. Again, two hits on Trevor Lawrence today. That's it. No sacks, two quarterback hits. When you don't have to fear the rush, when you have time to make a throw, even the worst quarterbacks in the NFL are going to make plays and they're going to burn you. And if you are so reliant on getting up to the quarterback with your four guys on your defensive line and it's not happening, it's almost impossible then to be, you know, sitting back there in coverage for four or five, six seconds and expecting to make stop after stop. It's not going to happen. And there were a couple of times where you saw uh, not very many, but there were a couple of times out there where they flushed him from the pocket yes. and exactly what you were talking about happened. Nobody was able to go and, and get him on the ground and finish that sack. And then the secondary has to hold on for too long. And, and Lawrence is able to, to kind of run around back there and extend the play and a guy's wide open. And it was some of the bigger plays that the Jaguars had today. So you know, it's simple stuff. It really is. It's it's execution. And I know right now it's very bleak. And I understand that. Like I said right at the top, this team's much more likely right now to be picking in the top five than they are to, to, to end the streak of, you know, years without winning in the AFC South. It still comes down to simple execution. That That's where they're at right now. You know, somebody step up and make a play and turn things around and it can happen in a hurry. Uh, but even though it's only week two, it feels like they're running out of time. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, we've seen this team get out of one and five starts, right? But it's like, you're right. Like this tie, It's getting late very early here, George. That's for sure. And especially when you look at the defensively on that side of the ball to kind of wrap up this conversation, it's not like really outside of the one flea flicker the Texans used to start the, the second half with, there's been not a lot of, of things that either Jacksonville 
or Houston have done that it's like tough to scheme or just impossible to stop. It's been pretty like straight up where you're not going into elite talent on the offensive side of the ball, and you're not going against you know uh, an Andy an Andy Reid like a uh, play caller where there's just so much good you know play design and play scheme, or it's just you know they confuse the defense. They're just getting basically beat straight up, like you said. It comes down to execution right now, and the Texans and the Jaguars are making more consistent plays than a team we both picked to win the AFC South. That is that's all you need to know. That's pathetic. That's pathetic, George. It's, that's what that's what it's come down to right now. They are getting outplayed by what's probably still the two worst teams in the division. I think Jacksonville's improved. I don't think Houston has, uh, but they're still the two worst teams in the division. I'd still put Tennessee ahead of both of them. Although now you, you wonder, I mean, maybe the Colts are one of the two worst teams in the division. The way things have gone right now, they're the worst team in the division. At this point, as we stand here right now, uh, following this week two loss in, in Jacksonville, you would have to say the Colts are the worst team in the division. And I never thought it would say that, you know, we, we talked about it all summer. That was not the way this was headed. Uh, and they don't have a lot of time to turn around. I, I will say this, for whatever reason, this franchise is always determined to do things the hard way. And they put themselves again in that situation, two games that, that you could have got under your belt, put yourself in a nice little position, be two and zero, have a couple wins in the division. When the hard games start coming, at least on paper, the hard games start coming, you let them both get away. And now once again, you got to do things the incredibly hard way. Credit to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Cause I think they just want to give us more content, George. They want to, you know, make sure the blue horseshoe is a must listen. They don't, why be 11 and two in November and run away the division? When you, like you said, you could start oh oh one and one and have to climb away and have another hole yet again. Uh, because, like you said, it, they, they just love misery. It's been the pit of misery so far the first two weeks. And, and why take the easy route when you can go, you know, make it as miserable and difficult and agonizing as possible, to say the least. I will say, George, I was hoping as we started this pod uh, this, this season, we would be the streak breakers. I break the week one streak, which they didn't do. I know they technically, you know, broke the losing streak, but they didn't get a, a win in the book. And now that the Jaguar streak does continue now since 2014. I don't know what we got to do ourselves, George, but we are not the answer. That's when, you know, these problems run deep and are bigger than just, you know, one person or one thing, because man, if we can't help unbreak these streaks so far, I don't think anything will. You don't want it on my shoulders. That's not, <laughs> I couldn't do that when I was younger. I'm definitely not going to be able to do it now at this advanced age, but no, it's, you know, it, it's, I think the frustrating thing right now is that this team, you feel like they haven't done anything near their potential. And I think, you know, if you come out and you play two good games and you have this results, you're feeling pretty bad about yourselves, but you can, there's something to hang your hat on. Uh, they've played two really bad games and they've let two winnable games get away. And now once again, as it seems to be every year, uh, their backs are against the wall. They got a Kansas city team coming in next week that, that will have absolutely no sympathy for what what's going on here in Indy. Uh, and that, that improvement's going to have to come immediately. Uh, there, there's no other question. I mean, you think today was bad. You put that effort on, on the field in the home opener next week. And uh, there, there's going to be fans heading for the exits very early. And the calls for Frank Reich to go, the calls for Chris Ballard to go will only get louder, will only get stronger. And, you know, Jim saying he's a fan. You know, he's not like a, a normal owner. He does, ha you know, have similar emotions uh, to almost all of our listeners here where it's you're kind of hit prisoner of the moment. We saw with Carson Wentz, that Week 18 Jacksonville game was the – that's it, boom. He, no, 
doesn't matter what the answer is. I just know he is not going to be here next year. And so if you're Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, well, I mean, could we'll talk about this later on in the week, George, but already now kind of looking ahead to next week, I don't think it's too crazy to say uh, Frank Wright might be coaching first job. I mean, you're in a situation right now where they're not going to survive this year if it continues like this. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Ballard has said, you know, year in and year out, when we talk to him about quarterback situations that, you know, hey, you know, you want to really be up there high. That's how you get these guys. But if they are, he won't be the guy making the pick. And that's absolutely the case. And I think you're in the same boat, you know, with, with Frank Reich right now. I mean, what you've seen the last three games in particular, but you can go back to that Raiders game as well. Uh, but the last three games in particular, they've looked like the worst team in the NFL for about 90% of those games. I mean, one quarter out of that entire stretch, would you say they didn't look like the worst team in the NFL going back to, to Jacksonville last year? And, you know, I don't look, you can you can find a, any reason you want. You can find any excuse you want. That's not going to be acceptable at this level. And I think he's well aware of that, too. So uh, one thing is, you know, we got to remember Jim Irsay has never in his history fired a head coach during a season, you know. Uh, so, you know, are they going to push that this year? I don't know. Uh, but at this point, I can't look. Normally, I'm the one that's like, calm down. Let's look at everything, you know, look at the big picture and, and, and let's not overreact. You're Mr. Rational, George, which is all we need. But right now, I got to kind of agree with folks. I mean, it's there's no other way to spin it. You can it's not good enough. Period. There, there's no there's no cherry to put on this. There's no lipstick to put on this. There's no way of making this look better than what it is. It's an absolutely unacceptable start. And we'll see, you know, this team has pulled out of situations like this in the past. Uh, this one feels different to me. It just does. I, I, in the past, it's, it's been better opponents that they've struggled yes. against like this. Uh, and, and you felt more of the, the good things that they were doing uh, right now. This is chaos. Uh, I don't know if there's any other way to put it. I think true. Finally, George, to kind of, you know, to, to end this pod, also, the, the what leads to the frustration and what leads to the heat on, on the seats and what leads to this start feeling differently like than other past starts of the Colts got off slow is this offseason, how the talk was. Week 18 against Jacksonville. You know, gutting one of the worst losses and not the worst loss in franchise history considering the circumstances. Then you talk all offseason, oh, we're going to learn from it, we're going to get better from it, we move the quarterback, we've changed our practice schedule. We have done all these things, whether it's addressing, you know, team needs and free agency in the draft, whether it's changing quarterbacks, whether it's the way you practice to uh, to make sure that doesn't happen again. And really, this team, George, the first two weeks, looked like they picked up exactly where this team left off. You have a few different names, a few different faces on the field for the Colts, but that Week 18 team that got their butts kicked by uh, Jackson up and down the field, they look very reminiscent to the first now, to, uh, the, the team that we've seen so far through the first two weeks. That is concerning when you talk all offseason – Oh, we're going to learn from him. We're different. We're not going to allow this to happen again. And now here we are two weeks in seeing identical football. And to, uh, today on Sunday, especially, felt like they literally picked right when they left back up and they just started playing quarters five through eight instead of a brand new game in Jacksonville. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Man, what a what an awful, awful, awful start to the season for the Colts. We'll talk about, you know, in the next midweek pod here, kind of, the, the, the Frank Reich and Chris Ballard hot seat, you know, how, how hot are those seats? You know, is there a chance, like you mentioned before, Jim Mercer has never fired a head, uh, head coach at season. If this gets any uglier, 
I don't know if Jim or, you know, Jim Mercy might not have a chance. We'll talk definitely about that on the midweek pod, but Colts fans, the first two weeks have not gone uh, how any of us would have thought. That's for sure. 24, nothing embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. Really now another Oh one or not another, but a Oh one and one start is another disappointing start to another season. It feels like deja vu all over again. So between now and then, make sure you check out George on Twitter at GM Brum. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll give you our thoughts on the Colts throughout the week. We will be back Wednesday morning to get you all set and ready to go here uh, to get as the Colts do welcome the Chiefs into uh, into Lucas Oil Stadium for the first game. And we'll see how hot are the seats under Frank Reich and Chris Bowden. Remember, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.